here's some of the questions you need to ask yourself like about has my own like bias have my own assumptions made me miss out on different perspectives ruled people out meant that i'm you know marketing just to people who look and sound and live like me i mean the book was kind of like well it's great we've got all these questions but it'd be handy to have some answers to help people on the way and because i realized pretty early on that i didn't have the answers that's why i ended up speaking to lots of other people to try and find out from them like experts in like production and media um, and different parts of the process to try and try and tell a story Welcome to Inclusion and Marketing, the show that's all about helping you develop the skills and insights you need to win the attention, adoration, and loyalty of more consumers, especially those with differences that are often ignored by brands. I'm your host, Sonia Thompson, an inclusive brand coach, strategist, consultant, and someone with a lot of differences. Let's get to it. wondered what unicorns eat for breakfast or maybe what they use to keep their skin looking so flawless. Well, even though I don't know these answers, I can tell you something equally as interesting and unicorn related. Over 20% of all unicorn startups are using HubSpot and for good reason. HubSpot's all-in-one platform levels up your sales, software, and support so you can grow beyond your wildest dreams, boosting leads and ramping sales along the way. They even have a constantly evolving collection of resources to help startups scale. Plus, with HubSpot for Startups program, you can save up to 90% off your first year. I'll admit it does sound too good to be true, but unlike that majestic and also incredibly fictitious unicorn, HubSpot for startups is all real. To see if you're eligible to save on HubSpot and take your growth to new heights, visit HubSpot.com startups. There are a lot of moving parts when it comes to engaging in inclusive marketing in a manner that makes more people feel like they belong with you. So as you work on ensuring the way your brand does marketing is inclusive, it's helpful to have a framework to follow and incorporate into your practices and policies to ensure that you're not leaving out any important elements that will have an impact on the success of your efforts. Thankfully, increasingly, there are more marketing leaders who've been working on giving brands the framework they need to execute inclusive marketing on a consistent basis. One of those leaders is Jerry Dakin, head of global media at Beam Suntory and author of the book, Inclusive Marketing, Why Representation Matters to Your Customers and Your Brand. We've got so much to learn from Jerry and his experiences, and I was delighted to sit and chat with him for a bit. And I'm excited for you to hear this discussion. So without further ado, here's Jerry. Hello, Jerry. Thanks so much for joining me today. How are you? I'm good. Thanks, Sonia. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, it's totally my pleasure. I'm really excited to dig into all this discussion today. But first, can you tell me who are you and what do you do? Yeah, my name's Jerry Dakin, and my day job is I'm the VP, the global head of media at Beam Suntory, which is a alcohol company, Jim Beam, Suntory Whiskey, Maker's Mark, and that kind of thing. So I lead our paid media and advertising, but I also spend quite a lot of my time in the industry as a whole, and I'm a WFA diversity ambassador. So I spend a lot of my time thinking about in marketing, you know, the adverts we produce, the media we make has a big impact on society around it. So I'm quite passionate about uh, how we change that and make sure it's a bit more inclusive. 
For sure. So what would you say is the definition of inclusive marketing? So, I mean, sometimes I think it's just doing good marketing because honestly, it's, it's our job as marketers to like market to everyone and people who are different to us. So that's kind of it. But I actually want to talk about a spectrum, which I think is like historically advertising has, has been the opposite of inclusive. It's kind of it had a very limited view of who it talks to, who it shows. It tends to be quite stereotypical about how it, sh- you know, even how it's portrayed women has been quite like bad over the years. Um, mm-hmm. We sort of get to like a, an awkward middle ground where people like start to try and show people who look a bit different or act a bit different, but often it's slightly negative stereotypes of those people. For me, inclusive marketing is when you like just truly represent and talk to and speak to, you know, the, the true breadth of consumer that you have big part of that is kind of the adverts you make and how they look and how you communicate but it can also mean your product uh, the thinking that goes into your service whatever you're doing and there is a sort of like gold star level that some brands go even further to and it's not necessarily right for every brand which is really like campaigning for inclusion you really want to like stand behind a certain cause whether it's um, black history month or pride and things like that and, it, and done well that stuff is is the pinnacle of that and done badly that stuff is messy and chaotic <laughs> For sure. We've seen enough on both ends of those spectrums and some in between as well. What would you say is the state of how inclusive marketing is right now? Yeah, I think it's a couple of different answers. That. So the marketing industry as a whole, like the people who work in it, like the, the WFA did a, did a, has done a survey and ultimately the simple answer is it's, it's not fully representative of the people we serve. You know, Almost every minority you can name is underrepresented in the industry and also likely to have a worse experience of working in the industry and that's you could argue the problem at the heart of the matter like if the industry itself was properly inclusive and represented everyone we'd probably make better work i think from the advertising itself i mean we're, we're light years ahead of where we were 10 years ago in the sense that brands do make efforts to kind of talk to different consumers sometimes in a slightly siloed like multicultural marketing way but people are still making efforts in the US, in the UK, you definitely see, if you just watch a TV ad break, for instance, you will see a greater number of adverts that kind of represent different people. People have a sense that actually we've almost gone too far, but it's, it's far from the truth. Certainly in the UK, Channel 4 did like an actual research. They watched like every advert for an entire month. And again, every single minority ability, sexuality, race that you could mention was like massively underrepresented versus the actual slice of the population. But I think certainly big global advertisers are taking it seriously and trying to work out. They understand that it's important because you want to reach as many and talk to as many consumers as possible. You want to um, support and serve those consumers. So I think we've got a good energy behind it, but we're still a long way off it being, you know, business as usual. For sure. For sure. Well, one of the things that I think helps to make it business as usual whenever people have like guides and manuals and you've written a book, (laughs) um, Inclusive Marketing which kind of serves as a a great guide to help people along with that. Why did you feel the need to write this book? So it it comes from that point I just made, which is I'm on the WFA and I sit alongside a lot of other, you know, global leaders of businesses and we're all there saying, we agree this is important. It's really important. Like our business signs up to this, but like when we look at our own work, we're still not there yet. So it's companies that have kind of gone beyond the like, you know, you can have an endless debate of, is it important? Why should you do it? There's a chapter in the book that has all the business case, like why it works better, mm-hmm. why it's important, why you're reaching different consumers. And it came more to like, well, how, how do we actually do it? And 
one of the things that we came across, and the, the book is very much not just my thoughts. I interviewed like over 20 different intersectional marketers who had different personal backgrounds, but also expertise in different parts of the marketing process. And it's not the only answer, but our sense was like, that to be truly inclusive in marketing, you have to think about it at every stage of the marketing process. Like you have to think about it in your insights, in your brief, in the partners you work with, in your production process, in your media, in your measurement. Uh, so we, we created this framework, which was kind of like, 12 phases, maybe that's too many, but 12 stages. And each one of them, we were like, here's some of the questions you need to ask yourself like about, has my own like bias, have my own assumptions made me miss out on different perspectives, ruled people out, meant that I'm you know marketing just to people who look and sound and live like me. I mean, the book was kind of like, well, it's great we've got all these questions, but it'd be handy to have some answers to help people on the way. And because I realized pretty early on that I didn't have the answers, that's why I ended up speaking to lots of other people to try and find out from them, like experts in like production and media um, and different parts of the process to try and try and tell a story. So it's bits of the book, certainly the first few chapters are kind of like why it matters, why it makes a business impact, personal stories, which I think is quite readable. And then the second half is like more like a practical manual that hopefully you can come back to time and time again and be like, I'm actually doing this. What are some of the questions I need to ask myself? What are some of those checklists, even like checklists of things to ask yourself? For sure. So I want to dive into a few more of like your framework and the various components of it. Um, but I did notice one thing as I was kind of going through it. Um, you talked a lot about how a lot of times whenever people are trying to engage in inclusive marketing, one of their on-ramps is diversifying the visual imagery that they're using, whether that be in their photos, in their videos, et cetera. And while that is a good starting point, that's not necessarily like you're done, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, and one of the things that you wrote is that, you know, visual imagery isn't, isn't it true inclusive marketing thinking? And it's underpinned by real insight, strategy, and authenticity. Can you talk a little bit more about like what that would look like in process or in practice beyond just, okay, we've changed up some imagery? <laughs> yeah. I mean, to some extent, it can lead to a similar output. But I think there's definitely a caution with, with brands who are just like, oh, you know, I, I'm, I'm just going to slightly cast my advert differently. And like there's, I'm obviously not an expert, there's like more to black culture than the color of your skin. So it's yeah. like, you know, have, telling a story that's clearly like a middle class white family and just like, casually changing one of the people to be that's not fully tapping into that community yeah. into the insights into the moment so it's much more important to like actually start by understanding i think on various brands i've worked we've done specific insight work to understand like the different consumers and it's often focus groups of those consumers or even talking to the media that re like the publications that represent that community how do they use our product how do they relate our product what are the cultural moments that matter and of course there's often like huge amounts of commonality like people there are lots you know i've worked for you know painkillers and alcohol brands and chocolate bars like a lot of us have very similar relationships with those products but also there'll be you know from, from an alcohol perspective there are certain like celebrations there are certain moments certain things that are culturally nuanced that are like different that communities have even if it's as simple as like different religious calendars or different celebrations and things and you can get to much more nuance about what are some of the moments that people choose to celebrate and it starts with like starts right by starting insights and thinking like well, as a result of this like is is having a couple of different tv ads the right thing to do are there different forums where i should be talking to these people are there different ways i can communicate like in particular we've done a lot of work 
in my previous role at um, GSK with like with ability and disability and saying like maybe the best way of solving you know dis- disabled people's needs is not an advert in which they appear on TV though that can be a positive thing it's they need a slightly different packaging because they can't yeah. open the product we make so it, it's taking a step back and then if it's purely advertising you're thinking about it's like why are we trying to show these people's stories what is unique and different about these people's stories and I'm pulling that right through so like you know it's, it's costume and casting and staging and makeup and everything like if you really want to have people from different cultures and different backgrounds in your adverts bring some of that with them don't just kind of like make the advert you were going to make but like with a slightly different looking person yeah just kind of swipe it out yeah yeah so it, it, it's still a positive it's a positive step that advertisers are considering diversity but i think you just got to do it in an inclusive way. and as i said earlier that comes very naturally if you have like an inclusive team if you work with people from different backgrounds and mindsets and it is usually a bit forced if it's a bunch of old white men like myself in a room being like oh i wonder what the kids are doing these days yeah. <laughs> Have you all, um, I know you mentioned some research that talked about the marketing and advertising industry on a whole not being representative in terms of the talent that exists um, in comparison to the population. Have you all um, identified some of like, what are the drivers of that? Why there are such disparities between like who's working on, you know, behind the scenes and like, you know, the actual people who are buying Yes, is the short answer. The long answer is we need to do a whole other podcast on it. But <laughs> and in the in the UK in particular, the Advertising Association has done a really deep dive into this. They did a survey of like over thirty thousand people, big slice of the industry. In, in the US, the A and A and some other companies have, have done it. It's it's a whole bunch of stuff. Some of which is like systematic of it processes itself. It's like oh, historically it's been driven by these people to get like a placement or a mentorship or something. You need to know someone in the industry. You need to come from a rich enough family to be able to like live at home with your parents for the first few years. You have to go to a good university, which is kind of self-selective in other ways. And it's it's through to other stuff. Like it's it's I work with an organisation called the Brixton Finishing School, which does a lot to break those barriers down, get people from different backgrounds trained up into the industry, and then they arrive and they're like, well, there's no one that looks like me yeah. at the top of this organisation. Yeah. Do I really stand a chance of succeeding here? So we've got to do a better job of advertising our industry to people from different backgrounds about making it easier for people to get through, to get in. And I think one of the most worrying things about a lot of those surveys is they show that people from minority backgrounds are also more likely to be thinking about leaving the industry. Uh-huh. So it isn't just that we can't get people in, but it's like they come here and they find it tough and they find that they're overlooked. And so it's quite a lot. I mean, a lot of which is true of any industry that you look at, but we're not necessarily worse than other industries. It's just a reckoning that we have to face. And it's, it's just even more important in our industry because as advertisers, marketers, we're supposed to be representing real people. Yeah. And so we, we need we need to be real ourselves. Yeah. yeah. And I say that as like, I'm a posh white man myself. So, you know, I'm part of the problem, but also trying to be part of the solution. No, as, as more people we have who are working to be part of the solution, the better. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. But yeah, there's definitely a lot to unpack there. So it could be a whole different conversation. Okay, I've got another podcast recommendation for you. It's Latinx Empower 
hosted by Thaisa Fernandez. It's brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. Latinx Empower is a podcast that features interviews with top-level executives, entrepreneurs, and innovators from Latin America, aiming to demystify the tech industry by providing listeners with insider perspectives and insights from Latin American leaders who have succeeded in their fields. I recently listened to the episode, The Power of Storytelling in Business with Andrea Marquez, and I really, really enjoyed it. You often hear me talking about the importance of diversifying your circle of influence, and this podcast is one that will really help you do that by hearing different perspectives about some of your favorite topics. Listen to Latinx Empower wherever you get your podcasts. Um, but I wanna dive a little bit deeper into um, your framework and your methodology that you and um, your colleagues laid out in the book. So you mentioned there's like a 12-step framework, but you've broken it out into four stages. What are those stages? Yeah, I think like the 12 steps come because it's kind of a committee. And if you have a committee, you're going to go into like loads and loads of detail. But I, I think it's sometimes helpful to think about it in big chunks. And so those the chunks that I came up with are like briefing, planning, production and go live so like the briefing is like everything at the start of the process it's kind of when you set your like business objective your brand challenge when you're getting insights and data in do you have like a narrow assumption of what the opportunity have you bothered to size up like are there different audiences we haven't spoken to before that we could play into i think marketing by default has to try and look at the average person because we have to try and look at you know appeal to as many people as possible i think it's always worth saying yes, this is our average customer, but are there other interesting spikes or interesting nuances of consumers that we could tap into? And even just when you're, when you're writing your brief, bringing that in, making it clear in your brief, even like literally writing, like it's really important to us that we consider like the breadth and diversity of our consumers. We want to talk to it, you know, tell your agency that matters, tell your partners that matters. The planning stage is then like the, the thinking, I guess. So it's, partly who you choose to work with like who do you choose to brief and work with are are they inclusive do they have different perspectives on the team as they develop the idea are they really thinking holistically about kind of like what the solution is and more often than not you know we work in a world where it's advertising we're making but if you're thinking about making advertising are they really developing like rounded ideas rounded scripts rounded portrayals and as, as you move into like maybe pre-testing or like approving that work, who's doing that? And are you making sure you're getting like perspectives from different communities to understand like whether it resonates, whether it portrays them well or not? And there's actually like production, making it. I mean, that's a, that's a phase where obviously I think things can go wrong in many ways, but like <laughs> often, you know, often you don't leave enough time for it. So there's not enough time to cast things well, or perhaps conversely, that's where you just like force in some fake casting. So yeah, if you're going to be making an advert which has people from different communities, different backgrounds, you need to allow time to find those people. You need to make sure some people have different needs for production, yeah. whether that's kind of like different spaces, different hair, different yeah. makeup. You, you've got to think about some of that stuff. I mean, even like some of the more technical stuff of an advertiser, like the post-production, like how you're editing, how you're cutting stuff down. There's been a lot of adverts that are kind of like well-meaning, like they tell this really like inclusive story and then they've got to make a 10-second version. It's like, well, let's just show the most average people in that version and cut everyone else out. And the last one is like the, the go live. How do you actually push it out there? I, I work in, in media as my day job, so it's kind of what media partners are you using are you making sure that you're partnering with, you know, inclusive partners that you've got that in the, in the technology you're using to buy advertising, you're making sure you're not appearing in, in hateful and negative spaces. 
it, how do you evaluate and measure whether whether all that has worked for you, like has worked harder, and and do you bother to look at how like different audiences, different people think about you? So it's it's quite a lot to think about. I guess in big marketing companies, people's jobs tends to be like some slice of that process. So I think you can become like really focused in on that. If you're kind of like a one person marketing machine and it all sounds a bit like overwhelming, it's definitely a case of like pick a few places to start and and move slowly in the right direction, I think. For sure. There's a lot like I I love how it's it's so comprehensive and it covers every part of it. Because I think sometimes people focus on the end. They've gone through all the steps of how they would normally go through getting to a campaign, a promotion, an advertisement, but then they get to it and I'm like, oh, wait, we need to make this inclusive, right? And then they're trying to work to retrofit it or make some adjustments. But what you're saying and what I love about it is it needs to be from start to finish. Like it's, it's a full on, this is how we think about marketing. This is how we approach marketing, not just this is something that we do to the end of something that we've already created yeah and like I mean, part of it is because of diversity inclusion that's a part of it's just like better marketing and like i think if you if you actually really dig into some of the nuances of your consumers you find more interesting stories more interesting reasons yeah you make better more emotional advertising that appeals to yeah. everyone not not just like that small group of consumers that you've been inspired by but actually like everyone really appreciates that humanity for sure Where have you seen brands struggle with these four areas? Are there some that you find that people are struggling more so than others? I I mean, to an extent, I think some of the the two biggest things that I seem to go a bit wrong, which are across the board, is like time. Oh, I'm too, I'm too busy. I'm too, I've got too much going on. And kind of related to that, a slight like sense of like, oh, inclusive marketing is something else I have to do. It's like another pillar. It's another silo. Um, I think in the US in particular, like it's quite common to have multicultural marketing teams that are like specifically about talking to like Latinx, black community, etc. I think there are lots of very, very good things about those teams, but there's a bit of a caution with that. That it kind of makes everyone think like, hey, that's those people over there's job or like yeah. it's an extra thing I have to do. And our message is like, we don't need extra time necessarily. We don't need another thing. It's just like, do your main job in a, like a more inclusive, more open-minded way. A lot of it is like just sort of the natural bias that creeps in when like, you know, you're doing things the way you've always done or you know what you know or you're surrounded by people with similar life. You know, most people work with marketing are reasonably well off by the time they've got a good job and they're all living these comfortable lives and things. And it's like, it's, it's hard to get outside that bubble. So I think, trying not to think of if, if you think about it as like i've got to do my main job and i've got to do this extra campaign to talk to different people yeah that, then that's extra work but if you just think i'm going to do my main job better and yeah. more inclusively and more like it's your job as your marketer to make adverts that appeal to a broad range of your consumers not to yourself <laughs> yeah <laughs> totally agree so in keeping with that what are your thoughts on how marketing leaders in particular, can work to embed inclusive marketing thinking? Because like you said, inclusive marketing is just better marketing, right? Yeah. How can they incorporate this into the skill set and the competencies of um, the marketers that are on their teams? And this extends even to the agencies as well. Yeah, I think 
there are like really practical, pragmatic things that you can do. Like if you have a certain like marketing process or marketing template, I've seen a few companies like literally put on that paper or that sentence, like either like a field or a question or a call out being like, you know, what is the role of different audiences or, you know, you know, have you considered um, different cultures and things in it? That's, it's a little bit forced. I think as a marketing leader, you, you ultimately need to build this into your culture. And what about my, um, she just finished being CMO, being, being a lady called Jessica Spence. What she talked about was empathy. Mm-hmm. And I think that is kind of at the heart of what we're talking about here, which is that what you're really trying to do inclusive marketing is like slightly get outside of your own bubble and think about other people's perspectives, other people's world, other people's journeys. Um, and so having from the top down, like a clear message around like, you know, your job is to, to think outside what you're doing, to think about other perspectives, I think is, is important. But yeah, ultimately, you have to look at your processes and like some of the like templates and the, the briefing forms and the things that people are, are made to follow. Ideally, you wouldn't have to have a separate form that kind of said, have you considered yeah. diverse insights in that? Because that's like so total, et cetera. But let's be honest, people aren't doing it yet. So to yeah. begin with, I think to begin with having some of those nudges, and I think there's a caution that I know some big companies that are like, it's part of our DNA. So we're not calling it out separately. Everyone's just doing it. And it's like, are they, are they are really they doing, it? doing yeah. it? Or do, yeah. you, do you still need a bit more like training and pushing and prompting until we get, I mean, hopefully we get to the point where we don't need books like this and we don't need committees like this and then we just move past it. <laughs> right. Totally agree. Totally agree. Okay. How should brands be thinking about measurement when it comes to inclusive marketing? Because I kind of feel like this can be a little bit of a tricky thing where, you know, <laughs> so what are your thoughts that? It, it can it can be tricky. It's been measuring anything in marketing is, is always a little bit difficult depending on your industry and things. It's not always like super easy to be like, oh my gosh, I did this and it turned into this. I think generally speaking, it's a, it's a bit of a cop-out, but you should measure your inclusive marketing, your increasingly inclusive marketing the same way you're measuring all your other marketing. Mm-hmm. And I think you should, you know, so if, if that's using surveys or sales or econometrics or, or whatever kind of metrics you use, and I think for the most part, almost every company I know who's gone on this journey has seen it's seen it drives in improvements, not because of some magic, but because it's kind of better, more human, more emotional, more real advertising. I think it's companies that are nervous about this and are like, you know, taking early steps and things. I think it's worth doing like more dedicated research, et cetera, around it. Like at GSK, we did a partnership with like a multi-year partnership with Gay Times. So it was obviously LGBT focused content. And we made sure that like in the first you know, six months then after 12 months of that partnership, we were doing a survey of like their readership to understand like how was our messaging landing? Did they think positively about our brands, etc. So like just trying to tread carefully and even like with some measurement of like pre-testing and stuff. Like if, you're, if I've had, I've worked in companies where like there's been an, an advert, let's say it's a little bit more inclusive than other adverts and certain markets won't take it. They're like, oh no, we're, Oh. very conservative we can't show yeah. a mixed race family adopting a child or something that's that's not going to work here okay and you know there are times when there is cultural nuance and you know certain countries parts of asia expect you know certain looking people but a lot of that is in our heads so mm-hmm. do pre-testing get in front of a small number of people see how it works and 99 percent of the time it's like oh, actually consumers like that and it resonates and it works so yeah, measure as you would your other marketing. But if, if your company is nervous about this and taking the first steps, then by all means, like do some specific research around it. 
For sure. Oh, Jerry, this has been great. Like, I, I feel like we're so many different other areas that we can continue <laughs> to dive into. Any parting words of wisdom for business leaders who want to be more inclusive with their marketing? I'm definitely going to put, make sure that I include a link to your book in the show notes so people can access it. Well, that's, you know, that's the answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think I think a couple of things. One thing would be um, don't be afraid to start. I think some businesses are very nervous about like moving more in this direction. And I think what if I get it wrong? What if I get called out? And I guess to that spectrum I meant I mentioned at the start, perhaps if your business hasn't done a lot of this, then the first thing you do isn't necessarily like, oh my gosh, we're all in on Black History Month. Well, you know, it maybe it's like make some small steps, work with some black owned media owners, work with an LGBT title, start showing some you know, make some small steps and then when one if one day you decide to, to do that bigger stuff, then you know, you've got more of a basis and people will be less like where did that come from? Yeah. I mean, other people is, it's kind of the empathy point, but like open yourself to hear different perspectives. And if your team is diverse, has different perspectives, listen to them. Odds are most of our teams aren't truly. So look for other opportunities. Like in, in companies like mine, we have people called different things, but like employee resource groups. So like groups that represent Latinos and LGBT and black and women. And like there are opportunities to bounce ideas off those mm-hmm. kind of communities, listen to those kind of communities or surround yourself with like, partners and agencies who like thrive in this space who know how to do this stuff well so don't be scared of starting and there are lots of other people who have great perspectives who've done this before and can help you on the journey but it it is your job it's not an option not to do it because your job to talk to people and there are a lot of different people out there (laughs) (laughs) definitely there are there are thank you so much jerry this has been super cool love chatting thank you Jerry had so many great things to share, and I'm super curious to know your most important takeaway from the discussion that you'll start applying within your brand. One of the parts of the conversation that I cannot get out of my head was a part about the need to ensure that we do a better job of diversifying the talent within the marketing industry. Of course, that will equip us to better serve our customers. But that means ensuring that we create inclusive cultures that makes talent from underrepresented groups feel like they belong. There's much work to be done, but we continue to make progress. That's it for today's episode. If you like this show, I would so appreciate it if you would share it with a friend, a colleague, or your network. And if you do share it on one of your social channels, definitely be sure to tag me. I'd love to engage with you there and shout you out. Until next time, remember... Everyone deserves to have a place where they belong. Let's use our individual and collective power to ensure more people feel like they do. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you soon.